think that's where the human factor really comes in, especially when you're talking about leadership. I feel it's really important to understand people first before you start talking about work and professional life. So I always find that it's, it's good to just catch up with people, person to person, human to human, because after all, we are all human beings. We all are emotional creatures. Welcome to Agile Leaders Conversations, where executives, business leaders, and experts from all sectors come together and share leadership insights around leading in today's workplaces. They will be sharing some tips on how they use the Agile mindset to make sense of the complexities and lead with authenticity and ease. My name is Chen Chen, and I'm an author, executive coach for the Fortune 500, a speaker, and a leadership consultant. I specialize in Agile leadership, helping organizations achieve success, but first growing the Agile mindset so that they can be more responsive to consumer and employee needs. I'm so happy to have you listening in to this episode of Agile Leaders Conversations. And today, my guest is Mr. Daryl Chu, a Regional Information Security Officer. I'll hand over the time to Daryl to share more about himself. Thanks for having me. It's great to be part of these sessions to discuss leadership with you around your new book, of course, and many congratulations around that. For me, as a regional information security officer, I look after the governance of information security and protecting data within the company, whether it's physical hard copies or digital documents. I look after everything with information security for the entire region, and that covers Australia, Singapore, and China predominantly. Great to have you. Data protection and information security is something very top of mind for everyone, especially now with the COVID-19 situation. Most companies, in fact, are moving to work from home. So the amount of virtual meetings that are going on, having those very sensitive conversations with lots of PNC information, I think that's really important. So Daryl, thanks so much for reading my book. Just wondering, what are your general thoughts? Well, I thought it was a really great eye-opener and it was a book that stood out as something that broke down what leadership was all about and to give those little insights and views whether or not it is from the perspective of a leader or someone aspiring to be a leader or those perhaps comfortable at the working level. I think it really breaks down what is going through the minds of all these people as they work through this journey towards leadership how they want to see themselves leading teams, including their struggles. So that's what I like about it. And I, I thought having seen all of these challenges laid bare, all the emotions that come along with it, it brings a raw sense of authenticity, which is what I like when I read this book. That's great to hear. You pointed out one very important point, which is the emotions do come into play. Although we are in a world where we highly value logical thinking and being analytical and we say, oh, stop being emotional, be logical. We know in the business of leading people and working with people who are very unlike us, most of the time it's emotions that impacts the team performance or even the organization. You're absolutely right. That's where the human factor really comes in, especially when you're talking about leadership. I feel it's really important to understand people first before you start talking about work and professional life. So I always find that it's good to just catch up with people, person to person, human to human, because after all, we are all human beings. We all are emotional creatures. If we don't 
take that opportunity to get to know somebody a little bit better, to understand who they are, where they come from. It really lays the path before you in terms of further interactions with them down the stream because if you don't do this, you tend to find the interactions with them very much cold and transactional. We need much more of the human interaction and being human-centered rather than just people-centered. Absolutely. So I was wondering, Daryl, was there a particular paradox in the book that resonated very strongly with you? Yeah, there was. I really liked Paradox 7. And this is something that really resonated with me purely because of my experiences in my professional career as a consultant. Last time, what I used to do when I was a junior cybersecurity practitioner, I would go in and perform audits for people, an assessment type of work where you parachute in, you understand what the scope is, you run an assessment for them against some kind of standard or regulation, and then you present the findings to them. And often what I felt over the years as I progressed was that the manner in which they would respond to me would increasingly become more and more agitated, irritated, and it would just cause a lot of friction for them. And I realized that along the way, this can't go on. And I had to find out what I could do differently because every single client from many different industries were pretty much responding in the same way. So I figured it probably had to be me, as stubborn a person as I can be. It probably had to be me that had to change. Instinctively, we always look towards other people around us who are more successful in uh, these types of interactions. So I did look to a, a friend and colleague. I went to him and I said, hey, how do you actually get cozy with your clients? You always seem very friendly with them and you get along well with them. He said, Daryl, one of the things that I like to do when I go and visit a client is to go and see his workspace. That's why I asked him, why do you like to go and see their workspace? What can you possibly find out from there? Let me show you. So he went over to a particular person's desk and he says, Daryl, what do you see? Tell me. So I said to him, okay, I see a person, they have a photo frame of a significant other or family, or they've got drawings of their kids. Perhaps it could be certificates, trophies, and other accolades. And he said to me, all these observations are bits and pieces of their lives. You can draw from these items to strike up a conversation with the people because everybody likes to talk about themselves. If you give them that opportunity to talk about themselves, to share a little bit more about themselves, this is where you get that human interaction, the emotions coming out. And these are, of course, positive emotions in building that relationship with them. This is where your paradox seven comes in when they know you as a person because you obviously exchange information about yourself with them as well throughout the course of that relationship building process. You have a relationship at a very basic yet personal level. So when you go to them at a professional level to interact with them, request certain things of them, I found that subsequently they are actually more than willing to come and help you. You understand what are their intentions, what are their motivations behind their professional activities and work that has been assigned or allocated to them. With that, you can build your interactions around that kind of understanding. If you know that this person's KPIs for this year are heavily dependent on what you get from them. So you obviously, have, having done your homework and understood them that this is their goal for the year, that anything that you want to do is to try and help them achieve that KPI. It's like, hey, I remember you shared with me that time you have a KPI that you need to meet for this year. It's going to make you look good. If you help me, I will also help you. And I think it's a win-win situation and we'll both come out better off in following these interactions. So I think really 
get off the back of personal relationships to empower those people, to show them that you are a person as they are. We are both here to do our jobs, but at the same time, we can enjoy the process. It doesn't have to be very cold and transactional. I really like this story. I think you demonstrate a lot of these building relationships. Of course, in my course of work, I meet clients who are very personal, they are very private. They are worried that people will know too much about their families. But at the same time, I think most people seek to be understood. They want other people to know a little bit about themselves and they share the little piece of their authentic self with others. So I can hear that when you engage these people, even if it's the first time you have met them, you are truly there listening and trying to understand and really empathizing. It's not just for a motive or objective you're trying to achieve. It is that genuine interest in wanting to know another human being. And from there, that created a lot of goodwill, a lot of common ground. And you realize that there are ways for you to fulfill both your objectives, such as a win-win situation. Yep, absolutely. In fact, there are many times where I had a half-hour session with somebody and we spent maybe 15-20 minutes talking about each other and just personal things other than work. And then when we get to the last 10 minutes, we are really clear about what the objectives are. Sometimes even if the entire session goes towards just getting to know each other. I really don't think it's wasted. Some people tend to think that you wasted your time chit-chatting and talking to the person, but actually it goes a long way. And like you say, that goodwill you've been able to build up, it pays forward for itself. So when you come to have those future interactions, they know what you're all about. They don't need to spend time thinking about you as some kind of skeptic. It really just makes the whole journey much easier when you connect with people on a personal level. Yeah, it sounds like a worthy investment. Nowadays, when we talk about investments, maybe we are just talking about financial. But what you're saying is that when we invest, we are investing our time, our attention to build relationships. And that's actually our currency to bring changes that can be quite difficult for others. But with goodwill on our side, it makes the changes easier for everyone. Yep, that's right. So there was also a definition of leadership agility and of paradoxes in the book. So from your lens as someone in security, I'm wondering how do you see leadership agility and paradoxes from your point of view? I think with leadership agility is something that has really just come up into the industry. I really think the agility just speaks to somebody who is able to be flexible in many ways to just go with the flow because there are many changes and there are many evolutions that can come along in professional lives, whether it's the working activities or whether it's company structures that get shaken up and things like that. This agility is the new buzzword to bring about the the whole understanding of people in the workforce who has that ability to think on their feet and be able to adapt to any kind of changing situation. So, For me, as somebody who is a practitioner in the information security world, it is something that we have always been exposed to in a sense because when you look at information security, you're talking about data protection, privacy, and ensuring all of these things click into place. But when you look at the adversaries, there are people out there, we can never predict what they're going to do next, where they're going to come from. And... In that very nature, you can never be sure as to when something is going to happen, if it's going to happen, and who is going to be doing those things to you. So 
Those days are the same, obviously, for our industry. Some days can be really quiet. Other days can be really busy because something happened. And when those things do happen, you need to be able to think fast on your feet and to have that agility, as you say. Even when it comes to putting in the leadership aspect side of things, when adverse things happen, people tend to panic. And if you, are, as an aspiring leader or a current leader, you are supposed to be the one directing things, reassuring the people, you need to be the one to be able to think fast on your feet, to remain calm and help people understand the situation, what it is that they need to do and what they ought to know. Give them all that information so that they can easily digest and then logically think about this in a manner and not panic. So for me, in terms of information security, we do see the need and we evolved together with the industry. And if some fire starts burning, then we need to attend to it and assess the situation quickly to determine what are the next steps? How do we then respond? This is a good example in real life. If I may summarize, I think I hear you say that it is about going with the flow and evolving. A lot of people, when they think about leadership agility, they think that it's just this huge transformation that you're going to go through. And then suddenly, you just flick your fingers and tomorrow you're going to emerge like a totally different person. But it is actually Mm. an evolutionary processing. You are changing bit by bit every day based on what is happening in your situation. And I like that very nice balance between whether you are reacting or responding. So while it's important to come up with a foolproof plan, as much as possible, airtight plan, there's also no end to preempting what can really happen. So there's that balance between can we act fast when the fire starts burning, but at the same time, can we also have a really good plan with all the possible scenarios that could arise in your field. One other thing that stood out to me was the emphasis on communication. Because leading at the forefront, typical reaction is to panic. That's why we have the change theory and the change curve. There's a positive one, there's a negative one. But most people will go through some form of dip and denial or anger, those emotional responses first. Being the person in charge, How do you give people the necessary information, guidelines, or even the North Star so that they know how to make decisions and move ahead? Yeah, absolutely. For me, communication is really big. And I think one of the biggest things as a leader you can do, in addition to building that personal relationship, is to constantly be in communication with your stakeholders and those people around you. I've always been someone who has developed in the professional world as communicating with everybody. And the simplest form is almost in every single email that I send out, it will be copied to somebody that I feel it will be relevant for them to either they are actively involved or maybe it's just good FYI for them. In any case, it's always good These days, we do get bombarded with emails. If we see it, at least we will have a general gist and an idea. And this is what is useful for everybody to give them that visibility and some slight insights to the bigger picture of what is happening. Some people tend to think of it as this is my boss checking up on me or this is people checking up on me. But actually, we're talking about leadership here. You need to put that thought aside as to people are always looking for fault with me or respond in some kind of negative manner if people know what you're about and they see these emails constantly coming from you they're not going to think that they're all sending emails again trying to you know show he's a good leader acting busy that sort of stuff 
they will actually know, okay, this is the reason why he's sending it to me for. And of course, you open that two-way communication. For example, if they might not want to receive it from you, then of course, then you don't include them uh, subsequently. But I think it's really important to maintain that kind of communication with them. Um, when, like we've been saying, whether it's on the personal side or the professional side of things, just having that constant communication flow, even just to check in with people sometimes. Hi, how are you? Especially during these COVID times. It, it could make all the difference to people. And it does make all the difference. That people see that you have genuine care and concern for them. Therefore, in the course of work, um, they know it. And if you're in a position of leadership, they will tend to gravitate towards you being led by you in a sense. So without having to tell them, you are my subordinate, you go and do the work that I allocate to you. If you can approach it in that manner with that open two-way communication, I've always found that tends to work very well. Mm, this is really nice. Dr. John Maxwell has this five levels of leadership. And I think a lot mm. of leaders out there, the first thing they need to recognize is that the very first level of leadership is permission. We have to be given permission by our followers. They are not going to follow just because I'm the head. So this is really key. And one more thing that you said, Daryl, which really got my attention was the communication bit. So I'm wondering, how do you communicate such that your team can be agile? Is there a structure around it? I don't really think there's a structure per se. It's more a common understanding. So even for myself and my team, and like I was sharing a little earlier about how we have an open channel of communication. We copy each other into various emails and things where we feel is relevant for each other to be involved in. Other ways in which we do it now, of course, levering technology and with all this work from home amid COVID, we in our company use Teams and we collaborate on that platform, whether it's leaving a chat message for them to see later because we span across many different time zones around the globe. In addition to just communicating via email, we jump on weekly calls at the least to catch up with each other and see what each other is doing. It's also the forum for which we seek help from each other and support where we need it. So I think we have this dialogue and protocol that's ongoing where we're always constantly communicating. So to me, there's no secret formula. You do really need to have that open communication and understanding, establish that protocol with your teams and with the rest of your stakeholders so that everybody is on the same page, the same wavelength. They understand how things ought to be run within the team and how we are going to run together. Because if you are going to be a team, you do need to run together. You need to be agile together in order to respond to changing and evolving situations. And the only way you can do this successfully is to have that good communication structure. I can see the connection between this and one of the paradoxes in the book, executing versus inspiring. While you may already have the protocols in place, there is a very strong common page that is in your team. Everyone will know that we are communicating on Microsoft Teams. All messages that I put out is going to be relevant to you. So nobody will be, oh, I don't want to read this, I'll skip this, and then there will be a gap in the information flow. So everyone at the same wavelength, I think that is really the basis, inspiring people to all move towards the same direction because there's really no end to how detailed and granular you can go in terms of giving people instructions. Giving them direction is much more important. What's your advice to veteran and aspiring leaders, perhaps people in your field in information security? I think specific to information security, and I guess for those veterans, and I guess 
I'm in the middle where I straddle the older veterans in the industry versus the people who are up and coming in the industry. Information security, as you would be aware, it's risen together with how the internet has come about from the early 90s all the way through. So long as the internet's been around, there have always been bad guys and adversaries out there looking to try to take advantage for some kind of gain. And there lies the need to have information security people on board to then look at these things specifically and to ensure appropriate data protection. What my advice to aspiring leaders in the industry would be is to take the time to really build the relationships, to listen to people. Though you'll be the one to do many assessments where you are in a position of sharing with people where are their vulnerabilities, where are their gaps, where can they make improvements. It is also not your place to be preaching to them and telling them what they should or shouldn't do. That was the mistake that I made and I learned the hard way, unfortunately. But it has also put me in a better position to where I am now. But having said that, it is really important to learn to build that relationship with them. So it's been the key thing that we've been talking about here today. And I really feel that it is the crux of the matter in terms of leadership and not just agility as well. But really, earlier in my career, I used to shun all these coffee sessions, networking sessions, going to lunch, always talking about anything else under the sun except for work and with no interest in building relationships that I could leverage in the professional arena. So my advice, even if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, have that coffee, that tea or that drink with the person sit down and build that relationship with them. If you need to, because now we are all distanced apart, have a call with them. Just check in with them, see how they're going. That goes a long way to build that relationship with them. I guess for veterans, ensure that they don't let their heads get too big. Make sure that they don't think that they know everything already in the industry, that they've seen everything out there. That's always the worst timing when your guard is seemingly down because you think that I've got everything down. I've put up all my fortresses. I've put up all my processes and things like that. So I should be good. I should be safe. My environment should be ready for any kind of attack. So that's therein lies that complacency, whether in the professional world or in our own personal lives, we should never be complacent when it comes to information security and much, much more so for the uh, veterans in the industry. So we need to keep evolving. I think now that I say them out aloud, I'm already thinking that all of these very good foundational principles and activities, they apply to every kind of industry. You need to keep up with what's happening. So it's always to ensure that you keep building those relationships that you already have, continue to make new ones because of course you are the more experienced person in the industry. It doesn't mean that because I've got my five good friends in the industry that I can always depend on. You always need to have new contacts to give you new injections of ideas, perspectives, and to also keep you in touch with the industry. Also make sure you have a list of contacts and networks that span those who are maybe around you or perhaps the more junior ones. So I think it really is important on both fronts, whether you are an aspiring leader or whether you are a veteran in the field, there is always um, constant evolution that is required. I think evolution is the word that's top of mind for you because you said it so many times. So uh, if I summarize, it is that continue to expand your network because that is investing in relationships that will pay off in the future. 
And yes. for the veterans, keep learning because complacency is the, probably one of the biggest enemy for a lot of people. If a person becomes complacent, then the growth will stop. Then the evolution will stop. Then like a dinosaur, we will become extinct. Yes, <laughs> that's a good yeah, absolutely right. Thanks so much, Daryl, for sharing all these stories with us. I think a lot of people who I connect with said the best gift leaders give to them is to share their personal stories and their learning. So thanks for your time today. Thank you, Shen Shen. Thanks for having me. And congratulations again on your book. Thank you.